I'm really looking forward to our next ch- uh, ch- uh, chat. We're going up close and personal with the NFL, quite literally. I, I think we're going pitch side, sideline, are we? Uh, the Rams are in action. Let's head to our good friend out of uh, NBC in LA, Mr. Michael Duarte, who joins us to talk all things uh, US and especially LA sport. You're at the NFL game. Uh, the Rams are leading over uh, the Commanders. Paint the picture for us. How close? How, can you smell them? Can you smell the liniment? Michael, welcome aboard. Yes, guys. Yes, I can see the little... I mean, it's, a, it's an artificial turf here at SoFi Stadium, so they have these little black beads that kind of make it soft and easy for the players. I can see them flying up right now. They're landing on my feet. Uh, so I apologize in advance if you hear the crowd or you hear the play-by-play announcer here at SoFi Stadium uh, over the loudspeaker announcing the plays as they happen in real time. Uh, but I'm here to talk all LA sports with you as the Rams here at SoFi Stadium try to cling to their playoff lives with a, with a 10-0 lead right now right before the half when you look around and you look at that stadium what do you feel what do you sense what do you see paint those pictures this guys i don't know if you've been here and i've traveled all over the world as you guys know i've been to stadiums the bernabao in spain comes to mind i was just at the americana in brazil uh earlier this year uh, went to River Plate Stadium, of course, monumental stadium in, in Buenos Aires, which that holds all the national team games for Argentina, the reigning World Cup winners in soccer. Uh, but by far, in my opinion, SoFi Stadium, the $7 billion stadium uh, that Rams owner Stam Kroenke built here in Inglewood, California. It's got open air on either side. It has a glass dis- LED display roof. So we just see glass windows. We can see planes flying overhead. We're just a stone's throw from LAX airport. But if you're flying in a plane over LAX, you can actually see the game and advertisements and videos playing live on the ceiling as you fly over. Uh, to me, there is no beautiful or better stadium uh, in the entire country, uh, in the entire world for that matter. But there are fans who complain about the traffic, complain about the parking, complain about the concessions. So if you roll like a VIP here at this stadium, my opinion, there's nothing like it. It's an absolute uh, enjoyable experience, and, and there's nothing uh, that compares to it in the world, in my opinion. Wow, what, what, what wonderful imagery you've painted there. I am fascinated here about River Plate Stadium. You don't take a car to that because you probably don't have a car to go home in at the end of it. <laughs> that's a good point. No, uh, that's blocked off for miles. So you've got to go through like four or five checkpoints to get into that stadium. And it's a very different atmosphere. Right now it's very subdued. Washington is four and, four and nine on the season. They're out of the playoffs. There's not a lot of Washington fans, Commanders fans here in attendance, even though Magic Johnson, a local legend and hero here in Los Angeles, former Lakers superstar point guard of the Showtime era, is the owner, is one of the owners now of Washington Commanders football team. Um, there, it's all Rams fans right now and they are needing this win desperately for the Rams to stay in the playoffs uh, but it's much subdued as far as the excitement and the decibel level compared to uh, the Monumental Stadium in, in Buenos Aires where where the River Plate stay where there was fires going off in the stadium uh, light flares going off everywhere and when River Plate scored a goal to beat Boca in the Super Classico arguably the greatest rivalry in sports in the world uh, it was like being in a mosh pit I was thrown around yeah. for a good five minutes before finally everything stopped and I realized what was going on. So it was, it's an, the environment doesn't compare to that. But as far as stadium-wise, this is unbelievable. 
I've always promised myself I'm going to get to a River Plate Boca game before I leave this mortal earth. Uh, I absolutely need to do it. To the game itself, they're up, what, 10-0 over Washington. You'd expect them to win this one, even though, what, Dicey, sort of around 500, the record for the Rams this year. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And, you know, the eight-old adage from Al Pacino's movie, right, Any Given Sunday, these are NFL teams with NFL talent, you know, the, the best of the best in college football, the top 1%. So, you know, anything can happen every given day. But what you have right now is you have a Rams team that's trending in the right direction. They've won three of four. Their defense is peaking at the right time. They've scored 30 straight points in three consecutive games. Uh, they lost a heartbreaker in Baltimore last week on a walk-off kick return in overtime in a game that they were leading for 90% of that game. The Rams want this. They need it to keep keep their playoff hopes alive and get back into the playoff picture. Whereas Washington is playing arguably for a high draft pick. So I think they want to be competitive, but I think, yeah, the Rams win this and then they have to turn around in five days and play the saints again here on Thursday. So if you guys want to go on the air Thursday, we can do it again. Um, but they're going to need to win those next two games to really put themselves in a good position. Well, that is a quick turnaround. Uh, that will be interesting to see how they go. Uh, tell me about the rivalry between the Rams and the 49ers. Or just, you know, up north, they probably poke fun saying, hey, San Francisco, your city's falling to pieces. It's an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, shame about your football team because they're quite good. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And guys, I'm going to be full disclosure here. I have personal relationships with a lot of these Rams players. I've been covering them since they moved here yep. in 2016. And so I root for these players because I know their journeys. I know their stories. But... I grew up a 49ers fan, even though I was born and raised here in Los Angeles. Uh, we didn't have a football team, really, when I grew up. The, the Rams and Raiders both left when I was a young child. And at that time, in the late 80s, early 90s, the Niners with Steve Young, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Roger Cr like These guys, these were heroes for me. Uh, Deion Sanders, who everyone loves, Coach Prime now in Colorado, he was on that 49ers team as a defensive back. So I grew up cheering for that team which was winning and hitting their peak and their stride so i have a soft spot in my heart for the niners they're my childhood team it was the team i kind of grew up loving and watching and getting the opportunity and the luxury to be here at sofi stadium to see the rams and niners play twice a year minimum once a year here sometimes more than that when they meet in the playoffs is a true honor because it literally guys is 50 50 a sea of red and blue uh, very patriotic, I guess, because the rest of SoFi Stadium is white. But a sea of red and blue here in the stands were almost 70,000 fans split right down the middle, Niners fans and Rams fans. You have to understand there's a lot of transplants here in Los Angeles, not just from all over the country, but also from Northern California. People come to Southern California to work, to live, to do various things. So there's a lot of fans that move down here that still root for the 49ers and there's a lot of fans like myself uh those older millennials i guess they like to call them that that grew up without a football team here in la and they chose the 49ers so uh believe it or not there's a lot of 49ers fans in here and even though the 49ers have had the rams number the last six years in the sean mcveigh era the niner the rams hold the only important victory and that was in the the uh, Western, the, the NFC Championship game a couple years ago when the Rams beat the 49ers on the last second play, intercepting Jimmy Garoppolo for a pick six, and then ultimately going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl here at home in SoFi. So that's the only win that matters. But I think the Niners are 8-0 against the Rams, uh, and they'll be playing them at the final game of the season, which I think will be the Rams fighting for their playoff lives once again. So that's going to be a very good game coming up here in about four weeks. 
Hey, beyond beyond before we move beyond the NFL, rather, what are you know take a national view here? What are the big storylines this weekend in the NFL? Yeah, now there's a couple storylines going on. One obviously is uh, is Aaron Rodgers who is now medically cleared. He's been practicing for a couple of weeks. Is he going to try to come back uh, and play for the Jets this year? Uh, I don't see it happening. I was told from my sources and just looking around the league that if the Jets were to maybe beat the Dolphins and still be alive for a playoff spot today, that maybe it would be, you know, behoove them to clear Aaron Rodgers and give him a chance to play. But at this point, they lost 30 to zero. They could not score a single point. They've fallen to five and nine. They're completely out of the playoff picture. To me, uh, it doesn't make any sense for Aaron Rodgers to suit back up and play. I think they're going to wait for next year, and he's going to try to you know, rebuild this team around him and hopefully stay healthy and give the Jets a chance next year. And then the other big news just here in Los Angeles, as well as the football world, of course, is the firing of Chargers head coach Brandon Staley, which... I think was a, I think you can hear going on the field right now the players but anyway a long a long time coming because Brandon Staley has struggled this year he's been under a lot of pressure the last couple of years with some of his decisions making and when he went to Las Vegas just a couple of days ago on Thursday and was down 42 nothing at halftime I was surprised he even made it out of that game uh, and it didn't take long the Chargers fired him the next morning wow yeah. quick, quick on the trigger all right uh, NBA hey title town again. Well, the in-season tournament title. Um, how has it been received? Yeah, you know, you asked me this question a month ago when we were on this show. We were talking about it, and I said, you know, it seems like the players are playing better. They're taking it seriously. Well, clearly the Lakers took it seriously. Uh, they went and won the whole entire thing. I was there with them in Vegas for the semifinals and the finals. Uh, the NBA hosted a great tournament, put on a great show, and the Lakers – did what they do, and they, and they won when the pressure was on. And and I'll say a couple things about that. First and foremost, Anthony Davis was like Travis Scott and Drake. He went sicko mode in that finals game against the Pacers. <laughs> 41 points, 20 rebounds. One of the greatest games I've seen Anthony Davis play in a Lakers uniform. And I was down the locker room before the game, actually hanging out with Timothy Chalamet, who had these amazing Willy Wonka Nike shoes on, I might add. If you get a chance to Google that, that's pretty remarkable. Or if you get a chance to see the movie, we got a sneak peek of it in Vegas. It's great. Uh, but Anthony Davis told all the players there in the locker room as we were hanging out outside, guys, watch me. I'm going to go game seven NBA finals mode for this in-season tournament championship. And he did. And then we look at LeBron James, who arguably had his best game of Lakers uniform in the semifinals, scoring 30 points in three quarters. Uh, he didn't even play any of the fourth quarter. He was just so hot. Uh, at one point, hitting three straight threes, most of them from almost half court. I like to say LeBron's talent right now uh, in his 21st season at age 39 is like an MX black card. It just never declines. Um, and, and so he's just, he, what he's doing at this age, and guys, just to put this in perspective for you yeah. as far as players who've been playing their 21st season or not, right? LeBron James in his 21st season is right now averaging over 25 points per game. Vince Carter is second on the list playing their 21st season at seven points per game. Dirk Nowitzki, seven points per game. Kevin Garnett, three points per game. These are the guys who also played in 21 seasons in the league. So what LeBron's doing is absolutely unprecedented. We should call him daylight savings time because he's turning back the clock. Yeah, like, like is it, there's a fascination with golfers beating their age. You know, I go shooting under. I can't wait for him to be 26 years in the league and still, um, you know, get averaging 25 points. Uh, brilliant stuff. Hey, uh, the brilliant Michael Duarte is with us. Uh, before I let you go, and be gentle, Michael, I'm a Toronto Blue Jays fan. 
Be gentle. Oh, it was no. a 12-hour window. Oh, no. It was a 12-hour window. I was tracking flights. I was getting carried away with opera singers talking about restaurants being booked. I thought Shohei mm-hmm. was going north. He's going to the Dodgers. How big uh, of sort of, you know, shockwaves has that sent over the last uh, couple of weeks since it was confirmed? Yeah, guys, I don't know if you guys are Game of Thrones fans but or House of Dragons fans, but this is like House Lannister. The Dodgers just keep getting richer uh, and keep dominating. Uh, and that's exactly what they did here by landing the two-time unanimous AL MVP in Shohei Otani, a guy that is, is a unicorn of sorts. There's nobody like him. We've seen nobody like him who can pitch top five the way he does hit as a top five hitter hit 45 home runs we haven't seen that even Babe Ruth wasn't able to do it the way Otani's been doing it so for the Dodgers who are already one of the best teams in baseball have made the postseason 11 straight years to get him and add him is just like I said the rich just getting richer Um, and, and it breaks my heart for the Blue Jays and unfortunately I know a lot of those reporters that were reporting he was going to the Blue Jays that Friday before and that he was on the plane and all of those guys had to retract those stories and apologize. They all probably got misled information, false information, because talking to Shohei Otani at the press conference just a couple days ago, and by the way, for your audience, we finally learned uh, his dog's name, that cute dog when he won Ooh. the MVP. That that dog's name is Dicklebean in Japanese, but decoy in American, in English. So decoy is his name, and that whole Friday as you followed the plane and the jet was a decoy. So it was yeah. perfect because... Otani yeah. told me the whole time he was on his couch, he made the decision after <laughs> that. Late Friday night, he made his what? decision. Uh, yep, late Friday night. So after he watched all of those things. And he also told me he watched all the news and the jets and people tracking it, and he thought it was funny. He had not made his decision at that point, and I don't know if that affected his decision or not. Everyone's saying he was going to the Blue Jays, but it wasn't until late Friday night that he called his agent and said, it's the Dodgers, tomorrow I'm going to post it on Instagram, and the world all found out Saturday morning. So it's interesting to note that that decision came down Friday night after all of that uh, news about him going to Toronto. So that's interesting. I'm just weeping. I'm, I'm weeping again. We'll leave it at that. Can you? Bl- I, I had a moment earlier today, Michael, you know, when time flies, when time flies, it's what—it's the anniversary, well, here in New Zealand, it's the 18th, 17th over there, the World Cup final, that incredible game between Argentina and France a year ago. Can you believe a year's gone that quickly? I, I'm staggered it's gone no, that fast. I can't. And, and, you know, I went to Argentina in April and they were still buzzing and <laughs> celebrating in the streets that World Cup final statues were being built and murals were being painted for Messi you know he's now a god in the likes of Maradona there in that country and it's hard to think that that was over nine ten months ago now that that I was there like, like I said when I went to that super traffico or super classico game excuse me in April um, and I know you want to go out and see it so I recommend seeing it at that River Plate yeah. Stadium not at Boca because it's a little bit of a viper pit there at the Boca Stadium where <laughs> Monumental's very, very big and you can kind of see everything and it's a better environment in my opinion. But to your point, I can't believe that was a year ago and that was one of the greatest finals I've ever seen. Uh, Mbappe and Messi going back to back and it was that game in my opinion that essentially gave the Ballon d'Or to Messi this year. Yeah, it did indeed. Michael, wonderful to speak to you again. Thank you so much. Enjoy the remainder of the game and a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and yours. I will, guys, and then give everybody in New Zealand a a shout-out for me, and I know you guys are doing well in cricket right now, so keep up the good work.